Hello, I'm Alan Higgins, and you are listening to the Design Talk podcast. The following recording is a cross-pod release with The Blind Spot, a podcast created by Tina Lowe, Accessibility Officer at University College Dublin, Ireland. This episode was recorded on the 1st of November 2021. Welcome to The Blind Spot. I'm your host, Tina Lowe. This podcast looks to show everyone about making Ireland accessible for all. Welcome to Dolores Henshin, Fiona Kelty and Roger Flood. So thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to start today by talking to Dolores about her work. And Dolores, can I start by asking you how you have come to be working in Dublin Bus? I came to Dublin Bus in 1981. Um, it was CIE then, actually, and there was an entrance exam at the time to go into CIE, did that, and I progressed on to working in Dublin bus when the company broke up, and I became the access officer about 15 years ago. When I became the access officer, there were reasons why I went for the job. I thought access should be available to everyone, and, you know, when I had small children... I had to fold up the buggy and lift the buggy onto the bus, lift the children onto the bus. You couldn't get onto the bus. It was very difficult. I had a friend who was a wheelchair user and had a child. And I mean, it was practically impossible for her to get the bus. If the conductor, there were conductors back then, if they were kind enough to lift her child on and lift her wheelchair on, she actually had to drag herself onto the oh, bus. Yeah. Right. So there were a lot of reasons why mm. I wanted the job. I that I felt I could bring to it as a woman. Mm. So when the job came up, I went for it and got it. And there was very little being done at the time. It was a new programme within Dublin Bus. We had a few low floor buses. So our main aim was to get all our buses low floor. And also at the time, there was um, already in place a user group. And there was a young woman on the user group called Hilary Casey. Am I right there, Fiona? Yeah, yeah. Hilary. And Hilary was an amazing girl. She worked in NCBI. And, like, I mean, a lot of the changes I brought in in Dublin Bus with the team in Dublin Bus were ideas that people with disabilities gave me. Like, Hilary said, the poles in the buses, we can't see them. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought of that because I could see them. But people with vision impairment couldn't see them, so we put yellow poles in. There was another guy, and I can't remember this lad's name, and he was telling me all about iPhones when they came in, and oh, this is about 10 years ago, and he could get locations of different places. He knew when he was passing the GPO where he was. And he said, the problem with um, Dublin bus is when I come to a pole that has nothing on it, I don't know whether it's a pole, a bus pole, a stop sign, what it is. So I thought, well, that's easy. We can put the word bus on a pole, you know. (laughs) But in actual fact, they were bringing in real-time information at the time. And I was thinking, you know, we should be able to do something. And to get real-time information, you had to have the bus stop number if you wanted to go onto the app. So I decided we'd put the bus stop number in large font and in Braille onto the pole. And that worked really, really well. But again, it wasn't my idea. I mean, Mm. I worked on the idea, but the initial idea came from a Dublin bus user. And an awful lot of the ideas 
that Dublin Bus have brought in have been from people with disabilities mm. telling us their needs and us actually listening to them and working on them. You know, I mean, yeah. whenever we have get a new bus, mm. we'd bring it out to the IWA to make sure they could get their wheelchairs on. You know, it was it's simple things, really, but it's all about communication. And I was going to actually ask you to expand more on that. I know you've brought in a number of really, really good accessible developments. So can you expand a bit more on that, Dolores, that the other items that Dublin Bus have brought in, including, I would say, a very aware bus force uh, you've done a lot of awareness training yeah we have our training manager is Vivian Kavanagh and um, our training school is run by Marie Began, and they're both very um, dedicated to accessibility we have a whole package on accessibility that all our drivers do and um, when they're introduced into the company first our trainers in the training school got accessibility training actually from a guide dog user who used to do accessibility training. Mm. Um, We update our training all the time. We're constantly looking at it. We have, um, I mean, like there's, it's not just people with physical disabilities, like dementia. We have a whole package on dementia for our drivers because it's very easy for you know, anyone to get on and look quite normal, but they could have actually bad hips and might not be able to step onto the road and up to the path, you know, up to the bus. Or they could have bad knees. I mean, you don't know what disability anyone has by looking at them. So we are very aware of that and we do a lot of training on invisible disabilities. We have the wheelchair bay onto, when you get onto the bus, it's on the left-hand side. It has its own bell, which makes a different sound for um, the driver. But just a note of caution there, the bell only rings once. If the bell is rung somewhere else in the bus, you know, our bells only ring once. So if 10 people ring the bell, the bell is only heard once by the driver. But we have that space. We also have a space down behind the stairs on about 67% of our buses now, which is a buggy space. Because again, people with buggies need to get on. You know, buses accessible, they can wheel their buggy on. They need a place to be able to park their buggy. The poles are yellow. We have seats that actually have arm rests on them for people that need them. The biggest thing, really, what I find, which is fantastic, is the platform lowers. Yes, and that's, the audio. That's a big advancement. The audio and, the audio and visual actually. announcements yeah. audio are brilliant. So we brought you all in today to talk about the, the fantastic, very innovative scheme that um, I'm going to ask you, just the travel assistant scheme. Mm-hmm. Dolores, did you, in, were you the... No, unfortunately, I wasn't. <laughs> the mastermind. Um, the mastermind actually was the operations manager, Paddy Doherty. Right. About 18 years ago. Right. He was over in London um, meeting people from London Bus, and he saw a sign for the buddy system. And he asked about that, and he was told that this was a system where someone went out and, you know, helped a person learn to use public transport. So he brought that idea back to Dublin Bus. The travel assistance scheme is operated by Dublin Bus, but it's actually, we get funding from the NTA to operate the system. It's for anyone over the age of 18, and it's in the greater Dublin area using all styles of transport, as in, public transport, as in Dublin buses, the Lewis and the Dart. The scheme is free, and 
Is this really is it fraudulent? Yeah. Am I missing anything? And I, I, it's not specifically for disability, sure. It's not. It's for everyone. Is well, that right? anyone with anyone um, who needs to who use needs. It. We had one guy, and he just lost his confidence using the transport system. And Roger went out with him a few times, and he rang me back, and he said, "I don't know whether to thank you or not. Now I have to go shopping with my <laughs> wife." <laughs> <laughs> I have to go on the bus. <laughs> and it's brilliant. It, it's. It's Dublin Bus's travel assistance job to give the person that we're working with all the skills and the confidence that they need to travel independently. Mm-hmm. But it's not our job to say anybody can travel independently. The final decision will always be with the person or the referrer. Roger, can you tell us, how did you start working in this area? What was your reason for joining Dublin Bus? Where I worked before that, Tina? Yeah. I think all my life I've been lucky that I've been in, always in a good job and I worked with people with disabilities in the Navin Road out in St Vincent's and then I went to work for the Daughters of Charity and I was working with homeless people and then I decided to go back and just further my education and I heard about this job coming up in Dublin Bus. I applied for it, not knowing exactly how good it was going to be or how big and how no disrespect, but how serious Dublin Bus were going to take it. I just because it was it was starting for everybody and a learning for everybody. But every day just gets better than the day before. So, can I ask you about the travel assistant scheme? I know you were probably the first travel assistant. Is that right? Yeah, he was. Yep. Yeah. When I came into Dublin Bus again, just similar to what the Lords was saying, in terms of getting to know what people wanted, the best way to know that was to listen to them, and and get their advice on how the Dublin Bus Travel Assist could benefit them. And they, in some ways, the training that we get in Dublin Bus is just absolutely fantastic. But um, a lot of the training that you get is the people that you work with. And it's absolutely fantastic when you go out and you listen to people and listen to their needs. And then you go away and you try and put that in place, the support that you can give each individual because no, no two people are the same. What you might put in place for one person, it'll be completely different for the next person that you go to work with. Okay, and Roger, could you give us an idea of what your day would entail? So, today before we met, we were out this morning giving a talk to a young school for people with autism. And we were talking to the students and we were sort of making a plan even for the future. But today we went in, we had a chat with the students, we brought a bus and we brought, after that, then we brought the kids out onto the bus, showed them the safety features on the bus. Then we did a journey within their area where we got on and off the bus, where they were communicating and learning how to communicate with the driver in terms of saying hello to the driver and just saying where they're going. And the kids were having a bit of crack and saying France and Lady Valley <laughs> and <laughs> everything else. And they were just building up little bits of confidence, just just that little bit of confidence of saying hello to the driver and the driver making eye contact back, eye contact back, that it was straight away, it was a friendly atmosphere. And then they were going and they were going to get their seat and we were showing them the safety features on the bus. And then again, we just repeated that and repeated that. And then the kids went in and they had a little play and then we did a return journey back. Very good. That's what we did this morning. And can I say, just ask you, because I know that this service is really what I would call life-changing for many people it makes people like myself much more independent gives me far more confidence working you know going to work on the bus with my guide dog and I know that you have changed 
many people's lives through this service. So can you give me, say, one of your most memorable experiences? I'd have to be working with you, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Unforgettable. <laughs> Why? Because I was so uh, compliant. <laughs> um, Brilliant. So, <laughs> the amount of experiences I've had is, is unbelievable. And what we get to see is when we actually go out and work with someone and it's always teamwork. So we go out and we work towards a person's needs and their journey that they want to learn. And then I suppose the, the big buzz is that you're walking up the street two days later, two weeks later, and you see that person out doing the journey on their own. Yeah. That is just a, a magnificent feeling to, to notice that, that one, somebody wants that much independence and is brave enough to take that chance yeah. and mm-hmm. do it. We go out and we'd meet that person first. We'd want to know what the journey is that they'd like to do. Yeah. And then we go out and we would plan that journey before we actually work with them. And then we come back and we give them the information, invite them to use the service, and then it's done. We never turn around and say, okay, somebody has to be trained in two journeys. Mm. We, just, we just take it one step at a time mm. until they're actually traveling independently. Fantastic. So, Roger, I'm not going to let you go until... <laughs> I have to ask you this question. How did you come to win the freedom of the city? Okay. The award was given to the Dublin Bus team. Right. And the reason for the award was that so many people that have used the service have now gone on to have the freedom of the city. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. Can I just make a point there? You know, the award was given to, to Roger, right? <laughs> he included us, all of us yeah, on it very yeah, kindly. Yeah. But the award was actually given to Roger because he has given so many people with disabilities the freedom, literally yeah, the freedom yeah. of the city. And just to say one thing about the travel assistance scheme, I get all the um, emails in and letters in from people who have used it. Or, and one woman wrote in, her daughter was, I think, 24, 26, and she had been all her life bringing her to school and to wherever she was going and now after Roger teaching the girl how to go on her different journeys and um, the mother wrote in she said it hasn't just changed her life it has changed our whole family's lives yeah. now I can actually pick up my other children as well yeah. you know it's just life changing yeah. for a whole family yeah. and that's just amazing yeah. and I, and I know Roger is very modest he is too modest way too <laughs> modest yeah. The Lord Mayor's Award is the Lord Mayor is allowed to give a number of awards at a ceremony every year. I don't know how many awards he actually gives out. It was about four or five, I think, Roger, was it? Yeah. And they're all for really worthy causes. And Roger won the Lord Mayor's Award for being the absolutely amazing travel assistant that he is and he got it because he gave people the freedom of the city and I mean you know that's just amazing to say that he we actually it was really it was we had great fun doing us because Roger was so wrapped up he was assisting a person who we had asked to be in on this we had a bus full of people Roger had already assisted and trained to use the transport Roger got on the bus with the guy he was training and yeah. he didn't notice any of the other people wow. on the bus. He was so, so, involved. In, so wow. involved and so intent that he's training. Wow. And when the bus pulled in then to Donnybrook Depot and he didn't know what was happening, pulled into one of the hangars and there was a whole crowd of people there all cheering Roger. And it was just, it was, it was fabulous. It was a great day, great fun. And the award itself, he invited the team along to that. So we all went along to dinner, including our chief executive, Ray Coyne. And 
It was just a great night out. It really was. It was spectacular. Yeah. It really was. And Up in the mansion house. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. When you talk about accessibility in Dublin Bus, and the Lord has covered it already in terms of the training, when I go out and I do this job, speaking on a personal basis, and I get on a bus with people, and the reception that I get from drivers in terms of wanting to support us and saying hello to the person, and if it's someone that we would have a concern that maybe this... Whatever, whatever the concern may be is and we introduce it to the driver and, and then the, all of a sudden then we have the driver supporting us mm. you know the yeah. accessibility is is not just the travel assist or the travel assist it's just everything everything in the yeah. bus exactly. everything it's yeah. on it really is yeah it really is it's and, fantastic and, and, and what we're <laughs> so lucky Tina at the moment is because of the team has expanded yeah and now we have four travel assistants we have yeah. Fiona Kilty John Brennan and Philip Salmon and these are just exceptional people that just continues the trend that's already been there and again I've spoken to people that they've worked with and I've seen people that they've worked with now going on and travelling independently also That's a lovely way to introduce Fiona Kell to someone who I met in 1994 when I had lost my sight out of the blue in 1993 and of course in the beginning there's absolutely no way I was blind that was the first thing, I wouldn't use a cane so Fiona had the onerous job of which he did for years and years and years 40 years in the National Council for the Blind teaching people how to use a white cane so the first day Fiona and myself had to go out on my first walk ever with the white cane it was in the area where my granny lived which is Botanic Avenue and I said to Fiona Fiona if you see a lady coming along with a tiny little Yorkshire Terrier in high heels and a fur coat, please hide. <laughs> so Fiona looked at me and said, what? And I said, it'll be my granny. Right? <laughs> so anyway, I we went into the park, which is really quiet. There's no one in it. And Fiona's trying to show me how to use the cane. Next of all, I heard this very, very well-spoken, strident woman coming along going, that's it, swing the cane. <laughs> and basically she was instructing a random blind woman, as, she, as was her want to instruct everybody. So I said, oh my God, Fiona, that's my granny. And I said, hide, hide. But unfortunately she'd seen me. And then I heard, Martina, is that you? <laughs> and true enough it was. And that was my first time Fiona and myself walked out with the cane. And since then, Fiona has works in the National Council for the Blind and now works as a travel assistant. So, Fiona, you're very welcome. Delighted Thank to meet you. you after a long time. Yeah, yeah. And so can you tell me about your job now as travel assistant, having worked as a mobility instructor for many, many years and an access officer in the National Council for the Blind? Yeah, um, I've just started this year with uh, Dublin Bus doing three days a week. The other two days, I'm still working with NCBI. I was laid off during 2020 with the pandemic. A lot of us were laid off temporarily. And uh, when I was brought back, I was asked to do a new job within NCBI. I had been doing mobility, as you say. I was full-time orientation mobility instructor for 21 years. And then 17 years after that, I was doing access work, access and awareness and over the years, Tina, as you well know, I'll just tell, tell people listening that uh, Tina has brought me in on several occasions to UCD to do a little bit of awareness training where we've co-presented. We've worked together to do presentations and also access workshops. It was at least one, if not two, access workshops, I think, mm. was there? Yeah. Mm. So Tina's very uh, keen on accessibility for everybody else, not just for herself, and always very keen to try and 
help people to understand the issues. So, you know, it's great working with you over the years, Gina. Like the, it's off and on, it's not constant, but yeah. it has been good. But yeah, the, the mobility with NCBI, I was doing it full time, which I don't think anybody else does now. Anyway, long and the short, uh, 21 years, five days a week, full-time mobility was heavy going, I'd say. But uh, I loved it. And I actually regard this kind of work the same as Roger. I regard it as a privilege and a real pleasure. When you see the results, there's no other job, even when I was doing the access and it was very rewarding in its own way. There's no comparison to the absolute delight you feel when somebody is able to get around independently, having been unable to do so. And you see them going from frustration and quite depressed sometimes mm-hmm. to being so happy and confident and just, you know, getting on with their lives because it has stopped them from doing everything else when they can't go where they want to go, when they want to go independently. And to be able to do that, mm-hmm. as you know yourself, Tina, you've got on with your life, you've got this job now in UCD yourself, you know, and like without mobility training mm-hmm. or travel assistance training, either or, you mm-hmm. know, really, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be possible. We have to be able to get from A to B. <laughs> Absolutely. And can I ask you, Fiona, in your days as, say, travel assistant, what challenges have you come across, apart from, we'll uh, say, a lot of traffic? Or uh, No, no. I, I think really for me it's it's more kind of the, the fact of getting used to, like I was driving for so long and doing the, the other job with the car, so getting used to, I mean, not that I've never used a bus, of course I've used buses in Dart and Lewis, I found it difficult to kind of juggle. You know, if you're trying to get from one place to another, how long is it going to take me? So it, it's a new learning. You know, you kind of have an idea in your head how to how long it's going to take you to drive somewhere when you've been a driver. But when you haven't used buses constantly, like usually I'd use a bus to go somewhere that there was no particular deadline that I had to be there by a certain time. But mm. my concern was, oh my goodness, will I be there in time for my next lesson? What if this bus doesn't come? And I'd be standing at the bus stop quite anxious. Mm. You know, if the bus doesn't mm. come, I'm going to have somebody waiting yeah. who may be, uh, you know, somebody with Down syndrome or something like that. And they're kind of, why isn't she here? You know, and you kind yeah. of, oh God, you know, you don't want to do that to somebody. So that sort of thing I found was um, challenging for me. And uh, physically as well as they uh, having been so active over all the years, I've kind of said, oh my God, it's a lot. You do a lot of again. steps. Yeah, you see, I had been doing it during the mobility and that yeah. was, and then I had my 17 years in access and awareness, which you're still walking a little bit, but not as much. It's more sedentary. Mm. So going back to an, a more active job at this age of my life, <laughs> I have found quite challenging, but nice. uh, I still think it's just such a rewarding job. I really, really love the job. Fiona, can you tell me how you first got involved or what brought you into the world of working in universal accessibility? I would say definitely it was a very natural follow-on from doing orientation mobility training because you're teaching somebody how to get around in the world as it is. And no matter how well trained a person is, if the built environment is designed one way, they can't actually manage to get around it independently. If it's designed another way, they can. So, and by designing it another way, you're not cutting anybody else out. It's not like if you design something, if you have universal design, the idea is that you're designing in such a way that you don't exclude anybody from accessing the area. So I have found like I'd be there working with somebody and they're so capable. They're really good with the cane. They've got excellent orientation skills. They've great spatial awareness. They're fantastic. And you're teaching them the route. And then you come up against something that because it's designed a particular way, they can't handle it. They can't do it independently. And it's so annoying for them. And it's so annoying for me as an instructor because it's not anything 
that they could do better or I could do better that's getting in the way. It's the way things are built and designed. So that was really, it was a kind of a source of frustration all the time I was teaching orientation mobility. And then when I changed, when the job came up within NCBI of uh, Access and Awareness Coordinator, I applied for it and I found this was great. I could actually now get my teeth into this specific problem which was not about training the person, but it was about more raising people's awareness about, you know, especially architects, designers, yeah. engineers, town planners, people like that, and anything to do with uh, transport. Very important, because yeah. however far you go on foot, there's going to be a place you need to get to that you will not be able to walk there and back. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to use public transport. It really gave me a, a great incentive to want to work in the area of accessibility. And can I just ask you, because I know you do this a lot, and I work in this area, and it's in, I experience this daily, how can we try and impress on the general public that by parking their cars on footpaths or mm. by not cutting back an overhanging mm. shrub with spikes and thorns mm. or by placing a lamppost in the middle of the footpath mm. <laughs> or by not putting dished curbs and also this new whole way of living since we've had COVID in the outdoors and the streetscapes of, I know, in particular Cork City that's a fantastic place I know that because of having a guide dog that they did a, a whole new way of flattening out the curbs that made it fantastic for people who used wheelchairs or boogies but it was so flat that the guide dogs kept overwalking the edge because there was no footpath mm-hmm. distinguished so what could you say if I asked you now what one message can you try and impress on people to see that look if you park your car there I'm training this person they're just learning their confidence they're getting on and off the bus and next of all there's a big van on the footpath mm. I think nobody does it on purpose to inconvenience or hurt anybody with a disability I don't believe anybody does it thinkingly The problem is people don't think and they don't realise. So this is why I was glad to be able to work in the area of awareness raising as well as accessibility. Accessibility is more kind of I'd be going on different committees and so on and, Mm. you know, discussing and even kind of the the new build to have consultation meetings about new build. So I could say, listen, do do it this way rather than that way. And this is why. So that was great if you can get in at the ground level before Mm. things are built, before they're designed. And if they listen to you at that point. But the awareness training, I think... I actually am very hopeful. I think it's improving. The actual level of awareness has improved since I started. Not that it's my doing, but because of a a variety of people Mm. all trying to like yourself, like Dublin Bus, like, you know, lots of people, everybody in anybody. In this area. Yeah, working. Well, not only in this area. I think in in the area of education as well, because when I was going to school, there was no mention of disability awareness or anything like that. And now there is in, I believe it's either in all or in most transition year programs, it's part of the training and that's transition year yeah what I'd love to see is to have it taken further and have it in colleges such as UCD I don't know if there is any kind of what we have is say in like in the school of architecture and also Alan the yeah. director of this podcast is runs a course now that's why we're doing this podcast excellent which is yeah. called design thinking there you are and, that, and that's all about trying to think outside the box yeah create environments that are accessible for everybody so they we're doing this and then in where I work in the Access and Lifelong Learning Centre, mm. this is what we do all the time. We're trying to create a university for all. So yeah. 
everybody can participate. But this is my point that there isn't one easy answer yeah. or there isn't only one person who can wave a magic wand and make it happen. It has to be concerted, it has to be across the board, especially in education. But I think as well the fact that more and more people with disabilities are getting out and about. Mm. When I was a child you very rarely saw anybody with a disability and they certainly weren't in school with you. Mm. Whereas now that has changed. Mm. So, you know, that makes a difference because if you're actually meeting and interacting with people with disabilities, you see they're human beings like yourself. Yeah. Rather than having them shut away and put in separate compartments and, yeah. oh, you know, I actually had one man shout at me down the road. This is on Whitworth Road where we have our <laughs> training centre. And I'm walking along behind this young woman who is very good at the cane. And I'm just walking behind her a good bit back from her to make sure she remembers where to make her turn. And uh, this man shouted out, like he was closer to her than me, which I was very intimidating. I said, she should, but he aimed it at me. She should be kept in. She shouldn't be let out. What are you doing bringing her out? Yeah. So uh, that was like quite a few years back, but yeah. it wasn't sort of back in the year dot either, yeah. you know, yeah. and I thought there's still people out there who think mm. separate them, lock them away, you know, as if, you know, <laughs> when I say they, like we're all human beings and any one yeah. person, my point is always from cradle to grave, we are all disabled at some stage of the game. Yeah. When you're a baby, you can't feed yourself, you can't clothe yourself, you can't, and everyone has been a baby. So, you know, and like if you live long enough, you're going to have, Be a baby you're going again. to need, yeah, you're going to need more mm. care in every mm. way as well. Mm. And in between that, even the fittest, healthiest, strongest, most athletic person can mm. have a sports injury. Yep. And then you're trying to cope yep. or a car crash or whatever. So yep. it's a normal part of human life to have disability and it should be treated as such. It shouldn't be kind of this narrow view of a human being is somebody who is kind of an adult male, basically, with no children attached, no boogies, no nothing, you know. <laughs> and just And that's what's designed for. That yeah. was yeah. traditionally yeah. what you yeah. designed exactly, for. Yeah. Whereas, that's right, uh, the yeah. Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, he's a lot to answer for that drawing, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The perfect yeah. proportions. He yeah. was only yeah. talking about drawing, for that's God's right. sake. He yeah. didn't say you should design true. your that's buildings accordingly, yeah. you know. Yeah. Very but, good. Yeah. So can I ask you, Fiona, can you give me, I know you've told us a lot about your, your work, but just give me one kind of outstanding moment in your career if you can even that really made a change for somebody who you worked with or made such an impression on you that you're just so proud to as as your job as mobility and travel assistant combined I, I honestly that I, <laughs> it's a hard I, question I, I can't think of anyone in particular I can think of lots yeah. of people like every time I have somebody trained to do where they were whether in Dublin bus I've had a few already finished work people um, within Dublin Bus's travel assistant when you kind of feel great the person can now do the, the route independently and it's a lovely feeling and every time I do that with no matter who it is or whether it's a small route or a big route or whatever obviously when it's a very difficult route and they've really worked hard but there was one person in particular and I'm not sure it'll probably identify him if I tell you about it but it was a wheelchair user back in the day when we didn't have low floor buses or ramps and we had steps up into the bus with a kind of a bar in the middle of the steps. Mm. And this young man, as he was at the time, born totally blind, needed to use a wheelchair. He actually used to fold up his wheelchair yeah. at the bus stop, hand it in to somebody, say, please, would you put that in the, in the luggage rack for me? Climb up the steps of the bus on his hands and knees, climb into a seat and on the way, say to the driver, would you mind letting me off at whatever the stop was? Yeah. Now, he used to meet me in city centre and get off the wheelchair and I used to meet him in city centre he was coming from home and he wanted to go out to UCD and I did the route within city centre and even trying back then trying to find dished curbs mm. for him yeah. 
and he was using an ordinary manual chair and he was used trying to use a long cane with that so he developed his own technique whereas if you're just pushing with one hand while you're using cane with the other you'll go around in a circle so he actually kind of hooshed the chair around so he kind of wheeled with one hand hooshed it around with the other hand with kind of with the seat of his pants really hooshed it around then pushed then hooshed and he actually taught he, he learned the route he taught himself. Like I, I literally just was there to assist him in doing what he wanted to do. It was his achievement, really. But I felt so kind of privileged to work with somebody like that. It was amazing. So can I just say today that it's been a privilege to meet the three of you because number one, you're all really happy in your <laughs> jobs, which is fantastic. And it's great to see. It's true. I know it is because I know the three of you. I know what you do. And can I just also add just one more anecdote, which I think is really good and it is relevant. Um, two years ago, I was in the World Blind Tennis Championship and three years ago in Spain, and then we brought it to Shankill. Now, and because I had met Dolores and any time I wanted anything, I just emailed her. <laughs> And I said, Dolores, we're bringing how many, God, probably a hundred plus blind people from all over the world to Shankill for four days. They're going to be staying in Dunleary in a hotel and we need transport, but there's loads of them. Any chance we could have a bus? (laughs) (laughs) So, believe it or not, Dolores got us a bus. And I just thought that was amazing. And we had Roger and the travel assistants with them. And for four days, four full days, they transported all the competitors from Dunleary to Shankill down a very narrow road, actually. Yeah. So Dolores said yes. So I, I told the committee and they were like, oh, my God, Tina, what can't you do? And I said, it's not me, it's Dolores. <laughs> Dolores Henson from Dublin Bus got me a bus driver and a bus for four days. And Roger and his team and the competitors were brought to him from probably twice or three times a day. Mm-hmm. It was a massive job yeah. to the Dunleary Hotel and brought back and treated royally. And so there you go. So I just wanted to end on that lovely story, which was true yeah. and a testament to the work of uh, Dolores and her team in Dublin Bus. got to end today by asking you all one more question individually what is your blind spot my blind spot is i can swim but if i know i'm out of my depth i sink and a few years well now a long time ago my god my son we were on holidays and my son decided he was going to get me into the deep end of the pool right he was about nine so he put all these flotation devices (laughs) around and he said now mom just drop in and you can catch on to one of these. And I'm here. I'm here to catch you. <laughs> You're I actually <laughs> can't remember getting into the water. But when I got out, he was over on a chair crying. My oh. mum tried to kill me. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I dropped in, the first thing I grabbed was him and pushed him under so I could see. Oh, God. A flotation device, your nine-year-old, yeah? yeah. <laughs> no memory of it. And you know the way you always say, you yeah. will save your children tomorrow. Oh, yeah. 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 my yeah. God. No memory of doing it. Still have no memory to this day. Oh, right. oh, so so deep close. water. That's a blind right. spot, all right? Okay, very good. Okay. So. Uh, Fiona, do you want to go next? Oh, well, I suppose I love nature. I love, you know, birds and animals and trees and flowers and insects and everything else. But my thing is slugs. I just... <laughs> 
cannot abide slugs. And my daughter is, she's the thing about spiders, but I taught her from a young age not to scream and have hysterics when she saw one. And I bought her her favourite present that I ever bought her, a little kind of long stick with a little plastic, uh, like a pyramid at the end of it and a little sliding trap door. So you open the trap door and you don't have to get near the spider. You just carefully put the pyramid over him and then slide it carefully. You don't trap his little legs underneath. And so you release him humanely into the garden. (laughs) She didn't (laughs) want to kill them either, you know. That is the best present you ever got me, ma'am. I think I got her in a pound shop. (laughs) Oh, thanks so much. That is brilliant. But I ask her to get rid of slugs. If I see a slug anywhere, you know, if you leave your back door open in in the summertime, for some reason, we we have a lot of them in the garden. I have to say, no, I don't really kill them. I just let them go their way or whatever and just try and plant things they don't like to eat but um, <laughs> but they still manage to be around and they will occasionally come in the back door when oh. my back is turned and I say oh uh, my god slug Yvonne please get rid of it get rid of it so I, she's there don't worry mammy and she pats me on the head and she picks it up not a bother on her and I'm like ooh <laughs> so, that's good. my blind spot very yeah. good and Roger mine would be I don't drive don't like driving and one of the jobs that I was offered that I was told I had to be able to drive so I said okay because the job really appealed to me <laughs> so I said okay so I organised to do driving lessons and for my first lesson the man turned up at my house for the first lesson came out got into the car and he was just giving me advice and talking me through everything and I says right so then we started off the drive and I'd say about 15 to 30 seconds later I says and you wouldn't mind if we stopped the car he says yeah no problem so we stopped the car and I shook his hand and said bye bye <laughs> Well, aren't you lucky you work with those of us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that, that's fantastic. So I'll say again, thank you so much to everyone thank today. You. It's been brilliant. Really enjoyed it. And it's been so informative as well. And it really is a wonderful service. Thanks, thanks very much. For, yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having us here. Thanks for listening to The Blind Spot. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Until next time on The Blind Spot. The Blindspot podcast was funded under the University for All Faculty Partner Programme and developed with the support of the UCD College of Business and UCD Access and Lifelong Learning.